Hello, everyone, and welcome to Shadow Talk, Digital Shadows Weekly for Intelligence podcast. My name is Stefano, and I'm here with Dylan, Adam, and Shway for this new episode. How are you guys? Hey, good, mate. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. Hi, Stefano. How, um, I just got a question before, before we start. How do you say it's coming home in Italian? Stato Are you willing to say that? Sta tornando a casa. Brilliant. Perfect. You know, home. you can practice that before Sunday, yeah? Well, I don't think so. We'll <laughs> still use the English one, so it's fine. <laughs> um, brilliant. I mean, hopefully we can get through this podcast without trash talking each other too much before Sunday, yeah? Well, I don't think that will happen, but yeah, I'll try my best as well. We're going to have some serious bloopers for this episode. <laughs> yeah. They're going to need editing out. <laughs> How are you, Shreen? How's it going? Hello, hello. I'm good. All funny in Singapore. Good for you. It's not that sunny here in Italy for some reason. Uh, how's the weather where you guys are? You're in London, right? Uh, surprisingly all right. It's been a bit rainy the past few days, but... Looking outside now, I can see some blue in the sky. So, you know, fingers crossed that it keeps holding up for the weekend. If you if you look really hard at the sun, obviously it's not advised. But if you have like, I don't know, if you put like some special glasses on, you can actually see Gareth Southgate's face like <laughs> shining out of the sun. When you go when you go outside, Dil, have a have a quick look. You'll be able to see him there smiling. Yeah, yeah, I, I might give that a go later. <laughs> and so it begins. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I, I don't like how I've been dragged into this. Like, keep that between the two of you. I've got no skin in this game. I didn't even qualify. Shway, you supporting England, aren't you, Shway? No comment. <laughs> Just staying impartial, fair enough. Nice one, Shway. Our friendship was at risk there. Um, so, apart from a bit of trash talking between Adam and I, this week we have a lot to cover because, as you may have heard, there has been a major event in the cybertrain landscape over the past weekend with the Casilla supply chain and ransomware attack. And then, so we will be talking about that quite extensively. And then we'll have other sections on uh, fancy ladders and some new spyware apps that were detected by security researchers. So I'd say we start right away with the Casilla ransomware story. Um, as you may have heard uh, last Friday, so it was the 2nd of July, uh, details started to emerge about a supply chain attack targeting Casilla VSA, which is a virtual system administrator software used to manage and monitor customers' infrastructures. Um, the attack was initially attributed to R-Evil, which then confirmed on their website, on the dark web website, that they were the responsible for them, for, for this attack, sorry. And, um, and yeah, so this attack allowed the attackers to gain uh, privileged access into managed service providers and the clients as well. So the impact of the incident is very, very large. So Shrey, uh, can you please tell us more about how this campaign unfolded and what do we know so far? I'd like to go on the record and say that it has been such a whirlwind weekend, not just because of football. <laughs> and... More details about this incident. Not football continues to unfold. And specific to this incident, not football again. We already know the what. Are you sure about that, Shui? <laughs> you sure, yeah? That's I'm confirmed. not going to talk football. <laughs> anyway. Uh, no more football, right? We already know the what, which is 
Arrival, Revel, Revel, Revel. Ransomware attack that leveraged Castella's BSA to deploy ransomware. So let's maybe talk about the how, who, where, and why in a bit. And let's start with the how. So how did Revel get in? Uh, so public reports have said that uh, Revo probably managed to access Castella's VSA by exploiting a vulnerability. So this vulnerability has yet to be disclosed publicly. No CVE assigned to it whatsoever. Although Castella has already been made aware and to be fair, they were working on developing and verifying the patch, just that the bad guys got there first. And because this is a ransomware attack, the attackers obviously demanded a ransom. It currently is at a bargain price of $70 million for the universal decryptor, but there's room to negotiate it down to $50 million, such a bargain. And then now we talk about the who. So there are two who to address, but let's talk about who these victims are. And in answering that, they will tell us also the where. Uh, Kaseya's initial assessment indicated that less than 40 of its customers were affected. 40 does not sound like a lot, but with the knowledge that most of Kaseya's customers are MSPs, that figure will probably be higher in reality. These MSPs each have their own client, so a compromise on one MSP with, let's say, 100 customers will just mean that there are going to be more victims downstream. So obviously, as the situation develops, there's bound to be some confusion over the numbers, especially as more victims or details of more victims come out. And indeed, more were discovered. So in Kaseya's latest notification, it stated that they understand the total impact so far to be less than 1,500 businesses downstream. That's still a lot. That's a lot, yeah. They didn't provide details on their victims, but based on public reports, we already know there are some organizations in Sweden that were affected. So the first one is Visma Escom, which is a which is a MSP, and because of that, its clients were affected. So the grocery chain Coop, the state railway operator SEA, and as well as pharmacy Apotek Hyatat, they were all affected. And besides Sweden, schools in New Zealand and IT companies in the Netherlands were also among those that were hit. And this is likely to be more, but as more details come out, we'll get more information on the targeted or rather the affected sectors as well as location. And like according to the first you know, numbers and victims that we've seen, like this goes like beyond any kind of you know geographical boundary. Like it's really affecting a lot of different organizations across every sector, across every region. It's it's, it's a very massive attack, isn't it? And um, all right, so we you mentioned also that you know Aivo was well are they responsible for for this attack? And can you can you tell us more about this group? Like. And what are the significant campaigns that don't before this attack, please? This will be the second who that we're answering. And I think Revo is arguably the most prolific ransomware group of our time. To me, I think they are the OG RAAS gang and supposedly the successor to the Gancrap ransomware group. After the Gancrap operators announced their decision to retire in 2019, 
And during that time, the double extortion method was just beginning to be used. So in 2019, uh, Revo didn't have a data leak website yet. But with that method being the default method of extortion, now Revo has also set up its own. So ironically called Happy Block. We'll and they are quite happy if you end up there. <laughs> it's not no, a happy if... place to be named, <laughs> yeah. though. No. It definitely is not a not a happy place. And if you look at the amount of victims that they name on Happy Block, you'll know how prolific they are. They're also responsible for some of the more high-profile ransomware attacks, which demand very high ransom. So two cases in point. One is on food processing company JBS Food, which paid a $11 million ransom to Revo. And the second one is to is on Acer with a $50 million ransom demanded. This is not counting, if you don't count the $70 million that they demanded from the Kaseya attack, this $50 million ransom from Acer is probably the largest ransom known to date. And so they're just continuing also, to outdo themselves, aren't they? Yep. Because yep. we said at the time with the Acer attack, that was like the... That was meant to be the largest one then. So they just wanna they wanna keep that crown, don't they? Yeah, and, and the funny thing is they they portray themselves as being reasonable, you know. So they've offered discounts on the ransom demanded for Acer if they agreed to pay the ransom by a certain date, they'll get to enjoy a twenty percent off. Very professional, yeah. Yeah. And professional in other aspects. They're also very high in innovation, so to speak. So they've often added new features to their ransomware. This year, there was a new feature to encrypt files in the Windows safe mode to evade security protection. And it also seemed like they're looking to target Linux machine because they've developed a Linux encryptor. So at some point in the future, it's not surprising if we see a Revo leading the way for ransomware attacks targeting Linux. So like to sum it up, I think we're talking about like a group that has massive financial resources due to the to the attacks that you mentioned before. And it's also quite sophisticated from a technical point of view. Like if they're able to innovate at such a fast uh, pace, right? So yeah, as I said, probably one of the most prolific and dangerous ransomware groups out there at the moment. This isn't um this isn't the first time they've targeted Kaseya as well, I'm pretty sure. They they went after like when they were when they were Gancrab or like maybe some of their associates or some of their affiliates were Gancrab. They went after the Connectwise management plugin. I've got it written down here, and they also, <laughs> I think, when they then became Arivo, they then went after Kaseya as well. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, and that's quite interesting because it's like okay, how long do you think that they've been trying to pull off? an attack of this scale do you know what i mean like this could have been this could have been in the works for quite a quite a long time yeah i think like the campaign that you're referring to like was targeting like a lot of different msps it was in 2019 so they definitely have been trying to do that for quite some time and mm -hmm. possibly with the increase in their resources and then their technical sophistication they were able to pull out this one i find that to be quite like an interesting just nature of the game that we're in is that we're always sort of playing catch up. You know, a lot of the time these attacks will, as you say, they'll take months or years to uh, to implement properly. So by the time we 
we end up hearing about them. All, all the groundwork has been done like a long time ago. So we're hearing about them now. We're learning about the indicators now. We're learning what to look out for. But by the time we're aware of it, you know, they're also already quite possibly onto the next thing, which we're only going to hear about in a year. So it's, it's, you know, always like quite an interesting game of cat and mouse to see who's going to come out ahead on each time. What's next then, gang? Exactly. <laughs> it's funny because like when all this stuff's been going on this year, we've been saying like, you know, it'd be... It'd be interesting to see if they can pull off bigger, more impactful attacks for even more money. And now it kind of seems like it's more of a safe bet to say yeah. that if this stuff's in the works and they've been planning this stuff for for ages, then you know what are they what are they going to go on to do next, and how much is the ransom going to get up to? So, um, uh, pretty I mean, safe if bet. If they're if they're getting millions in ransom payment then i think it's very safe to say that they definitely have the money to hire the right talent in open and closed quotes mm. yeah. and, and they said the bans on forums wasn't going to impact them eh? or they yeah. were like they, they they said something like um you know after we were talking about after dark side and colonial and stuff like that and when they all the bans from the forums happened they were like ah oh, it's not going to really affect our affiliate program people people want to work for us basically you would it's like you know yeah i mean if you're not one of the organizations which is unlucky enough to be impacted by it like it's just objectively an incredibly exciting thing to be either involved in or to witness because it is just developing so quickly but the cvs are flying in mate yeah <laughs> um and trey before you mentioned the jbs attack that our evil did uh or was it like one or two months ago maybe one month ago and uh, in that case, the U.S. stepped in, even if the company was based in Brazil. And so one of the key points that we were discussing uh, during our calls this week was like, can this attack be understood as a sort of counteroffensive against the U.S. stepping up the ransomware task force game? Because like this attack also happened over the 4th of July weekend, which is like, you know, this big uh, holiday in the U.S. So... Do you think that's a valid assumption to make? I mean, the attack occurred just when the 4th of July weekend was starting, which is prime time because it's very likely that almost everyone will have started to wind down for the festivities. And the 4th of July is such a big holiday in the US. Plus, after we had such a worrisome year with the pandemic, we all will take any chance that we can to decompress, right? Yeah. So the occurrence of the attack on fourth of the occurrence of the attack close to the fourth of July may lead some people to think that this is in retaliation to US measures stepping up against ransomware attack. I think it is possible to think that this attack is some kind of response. After all, um Revo is very vocal on cyber criminal forums and they have representatives giving interviews and statements on those platforms. So in one of the interviews they did after their attack on JBS, they did say that uh, they are going to avoid targeting US or critical infrastructure organization after DarkSide's attack on Colonial Pipeline. But because of the US's reaction to JBS, Arrivo has also decide, decided to leave all the restrictions on targeting US-based victims. So this, this um, 4th of July, attack on Kaseya could be linked. But I think it also could be as simple as Kaseya being very being a very high value target and ransomware groups being criminal, looking for a very big payout. They would have just deemed Kaseya 
an attractive target and went after them, that is all. Can you imagine being an instant response team trying to clock out on Friday night when that happened? I <laughs> feel <laughs> that collective groan in the office. You just been like, that's why you always book the Friday before a public holiday off. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, though, people, people would have been getting called in for that, though. Do you know what I mean? Like, it would have been like, yeah, sorry, mate. You were on holiday. You're not anymore because we need all hands on deck, basically. Yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I like to think out. maybe it's not a coincidence with, like, everything that's gone on. But like Shrey says, it's the value of the target and everything off. If they, if they were they did manage to pull it off and being like, haha, it's the 4th of July and this is when we're going to do it, then fair play. But I don't know. It seems like too much of a coincidence, really, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. Like, it, like, it is a big coincidence if that's the case, for sure. And, you know, with the fact that this group, like, increasingly professional, like, they can decide, you know, yes, they, they are opportunistic in some sense, but if we see this attack of something that started more than two years ago and then came to success right now, mm. it really seems like a big, big targeted one. Yeah, and this, I don't think you can call this one opportunistic, can you? It's just like, yeah. it's so clearly been laid out. Like, I think the interesting one about this as well is that like, it's, it wasn't, they're not, they haven't like made their ransomware wormable, have they? Do you know what I mean? So like, if they're going into all these management to compromise all these individual organizations like that's a highly targeted attack that took a lot of planning and you know they weren't relying on like the automatic nature of the malware itself you know this is this is this is targeted and they're they're you know intentionally probably hands-on keyboard deploying all the deploying our evil to to all of these systems so yeah it could, things, be, it could be just right target right time so they had eyes on Kaseya and just nice, 4th of July, big holiday, nobody's working, nobody to deal mm. with them and boom. Because yeah. they, they were also really vocal about um, Biden, weren't they? They were really vocal like when the JBS thing happened. I swear there was like a, there was like an interview on like Leaping Computer or something like that. Like some vendor had spoken to a representative of the group and they basically said like, they didn't want to get drawn into like politics or something like that. And then they said like Biden had like put them like associated them with Putin's agenda or something like that. I'm not sure quite what they said, but there was definitely some sort of animosity there in terms of the executive order and trying to like bring them into politics and stuff. So you never know. Maybe this was this was big revenge for them. We'll probably, hopefully, well, hopefully, yeah, we'll probably see some press release from Aivo when everything he has done in this attack and they'll have something to comment. They like to give interviews, that's for sure. So they'll probably give us their opinions of this attack very soon, I'd say. Even though, even though like usually these big events tend also to attract a lot of law enforcement attention, as we mm. saw with the Colonial Pipeline uh, dark side attack. So who knows if our evil will still be a thing like one month or two months from now, you know? They haven't been touched yet though, have they? As a group, Not I don't yet. think. I mean, yeah. we, we might not know. They might have like, had, I don't know, yeah, of course. servers taken down or some like IPs blocked or something like that. But yeah, they they seem like the most bold in terms of like feeling that they can't be touched at the minute. Otherwise, why would they be saying all of that stuff, you know? Yeah, it, it's a risky game for sure right now. Like like in this historical moment, you know, after everything that happened with Darkseid and this weird yeah. response from law enforcement, 
doing yeah. an attack this big uh, against the U.S. companies. Mm. Yeah, it's it's bold to say the there's least. A, there's yeah. a there's a there's a pattern there as well, isn't there? Do you know what I mean? Like we've we've been we've talked about those big attacks, and then following that, there's usually been some sort of action. Usually, take something like this to to get that going, doesn't it? So yeah, and given so, also the fact that Biden is making, you know confronting ransomware groups one of its priority in terms of you know cybersecurity matters in the last months i yeah i can easily see some sort of strong retaliation from u.s law enforcement u.s and global law enforcement against this group also like uh, i remember one of the first things that i thought when i was watching the news unfolding of this one was the fact that you know in q1 we were talking a lot about supply chain, you know, on the aftermath of SolarWinds, everything that happened with Excelion and Microsoft Exchange servers, it was a lot of supply chain. And then Q2, of course, it was dominated by ransomware and the colonial pipeline um, event. And then we get right into Q3, and there is the biggest collab of the year, probably with this <laughs> ransomware and supply chain attack. A fusion, bro. <laughs> it's a fusion. <laughs> I'm, I'm a bit scared for Q4 at this point. <laughs> go, go on. We're, we've just finished week one of Q3, Stefan. What, <laughs> what, what, what is your Q4 prediction as to what we're going to see next then? Uh, I, I don't know. Like, I'm really afraid of what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> He's got to get past Sunday first. He's got to get, he's got to get past the final ah, before he can start go. making predictions. I'm, I'm <laughs> Thing is, like, you know, if Italy lose on Sunday, we might never hear from him again. Do you know what I mean? I might yeah. be taken back over as the victorious host of Shadow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Finally, be your time to shine. Like, in any case, like, if Italy wins or lose, I just can't get back to this office center again. <laughs> I'll be fired if Italy wins and if England <laughs> wins. I'll have to fight we wouldn't, be a, we wouldn't be a very moral company. If no, happened, no. <laughs> so that's, my, that's very much probably my last podcast here. Um, all right, coming back to the, <laughs> to the Casilla incident. Um, Shrey, you also mentioned before that the group asked for, well, asked to fund it, a $70 million ransomware to give like the universe to crypto. So the, Arivo just, once he left encrypted every of these companies, he has requested a single ransom, a single ransom, sorry, from each of them, or to pay 70 million to pay the universe of the crypto. Uh, what do you think is that? Why would they want to, you know, just have a big payment and give the universe of the crypto also, would that work? It could be that because there are so many victims in this attack. Um, I mean, 40 MSPs doesn't sound like a lot, but if you look at the businesses downstream, 1,500 is still quite a lot. And rather than going individually to extort them, it might save them a bit of effort. It might be more worthwhile to provide a single universal decryptor that everybody can use. It is also possible that they are trying to capitalize on the panic among victims to sort of get them into collective action so maybe to convince them that the best action to take is to pull funds together and get that decryptor. And Revo have also marketed the decryptor quite attractively. So they say that it is a single decryptor that will work for all victims and will allow them to regain access to their system within an hour, which is from an incident response team quite good. 
So using that prospect perhaps to just drive victims into going for that option instead of uh, restoring individually, it takes up so much time and you've got to find the right people who know how to do it. You've got to hire an external um, incident response team if you don't have one and all of the other arbitrary costs. Yeah, that's a big cost, but like, I don't know, when I, when I read the news of the, you know, this universal crypto, like, couldn't help but think, like, okay, who's going to pay that amount of money? Like, I don't think, like, all the MSPs or their customers will just chip in in this massive ball to get this 50 or 70 million together. At the same time, you know, the responsible, who should be responsible for paying this? Will it be Casilla? Will it be everyone that's been impacted? Like, how would that work in practicality? I mean, if you take $70 million divided by 1,500 businesses, I'll say it's quite manageable. I mean, after all, JBS, one company, JBS, paid $11 million on their own. Yeah. Well, let, let, let's see how it goes with this one. And that, that is certainly a lot of money. And if our evil gets to get away with that amount, we'll most certainly hear from them again with other big campaigns, I'd say. And also, like another thing that I've noticed in the um, from the screenshots of the payment requested was that Arrival is requesting the payment to be made in Monero over Bitcoin. And why? Why do you think is that? Like, are we seeing a big shift in the broader landscape of this sense? Because as a criminal, and I'm not speaking from experience, anonymity <laughs> anonymity is key. And between Monero and Bitcoin. Monero, I think, has stronger privacy features. So transactions in Monero's cryptocurrency schemes, they are more private due to the crypto node application layer protocol and the obfuscation implemented into the protocol. I won't go into technical details on this because I'm not an expert on it, but basically... You Monero sound like it, mate. You should have kept going. <laughs> you shouldn't have said um, anything. I think everyone would have, would, have, would have bought it. It's just me faking it till I make it. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> Monero's transaction, basically they obscure the digital addresses of the senders and the recipient, as well as the amount that's being transacted. So essentially, you can send digital funds and leave minimal details. This is not like Bitcoin, where transactions involving Bitcoin are recorded permanently on the blockchain. They, I mean... um. They may not be linked to personal information, but they are still linked to a user's wallet, which with some investigation, maybe it can give away indicators about the identities of the owners. And for this reason, Revo has already announced in April last year that they prefer Monero. And they are saying that uh, Monero makes it more challenging for law enforcement to trace the ransom payments. That, that makes sense. Like even... Um, sorry, if I go back to Colonial Pipeline once again, but like in that instance, law enforcement was able to recover a big chunk of the ransom paid uh, to Darkseid. And so I think also uh, threat actors are noticing that, you know, there is a trend of law enforcement being able to trace these funds, uh, locate them and, you know, block these wallets. So, yeah, from that point of view, I think it makes sense for them to, to switch to Monero. Okay. Smart move, yeah. Okay. Um, all right, so enough focus here today, I think. Unless any of you guys want to say anything more about it? 
but it doesn't seem like it. So I'd say we move to the second story of the week. And Adam's on the line to talk about fancy Lazarus. And so, Adam, um, will it really come home? <laughs> you, want, you really want to ask me that question before we dig into the rest of it? <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, so, fancy Lazarus, please tell us something about this group. Like, uh, where has this group come from? Why do they have this name? And what are they doing right now? Yeah, so you were saying that uh, ransomware and supply chain attacks are like the hottest collab of 2021, right? Yeah. This is not the collab I don't. I think we were waiting for. Because, <laughs> like, in, despite what you might think, Fancy Bear and Lazarus Group are not working together. They uh, don't. To be honest, I don't freaking. I don't reckon they've got. Uh, they reckon they've got much in common in terms of both like originating country and you know modus operandi targeting tactics whatnot so this we're pretty sure is not an even hotter collab coming out of 2021 but this is arcing back to a lot of the activity that we saw last year whereby ddos extortion group i think we can call them that they seem to only really be doing this kind of activity I haven't seen these uh, pop up anywhere else and it's the same theme of using names of well-known apt groups when it's highly likely that these, this isn't uh one of the one of the uh, most high profile groups to touch to both north korea and russia so what these guys are doing is they are delivering uh, extortion notes extortion emails to targets and this is quite a large campaign compared to some of the previous ones which was more targeted to specific geographies this is targeting a diverse range of industries um, across a few different countries and basically what's happening is they're sending these emails uh, in the extortion attacks they're basically demanding uh, two bitcoin to begin with and then they threaten to launch a ddos attack within the next week if the if that ransom isn't paid and what they do is they to kind of prove themselves they conduct a kind of smaller scale attack on some selected ip addresses uh, or subnets of the targets and they, those usually go to about two terabytes per second in terms of the, the requests. And then following that, if they, you know, if they don't get what they're after, they then increase the amount of Bitcoin demanded and the kind of um, the propensity of the attack. So they're doing the, the attacks are getting bigger as the, as long as the ransom goes without being paid. So this is like, so we still remain the extortion reign for this. It's attack. all about extortion, bro. It's Can't all get about away from extortion. It. So maybe that's something to do with a Q4 <laughs> fusion collab that we'll see there. Yeah, well, it's funny because we actually when so the attacks that I was referring to last year were the ones that on the New Zealand Stock Exchange when the um well we don't know if it's the same group they're using the same tactics and they like to name themselves after um, more well-known groups, but. They did something similar. It was DDoS attacks on a larger scale, more impactful scale. The New Zealand Stock Exchange was offline for like four days, was it? I think it was. There was like, yeah, I think like we that. did a we did a pod on it. Um, mm -hmm. So the the tactics are very similar. I'd be surprised if it wasn't as you know similar similar people involved. Um, and at that time, when we were talking about it, I think we had had like maybe a few examples of ransomware groups threatening DDoS as well. That's when ransomware double extortion was really starting to take off middle of last year. And I think at the time, we kind of thought that maybe we would see more 
DDoS extortion factor in to those attacks. Um, and we did, we have seen that. There've been a couple of groups. I think like Avadon, maybe. There was a couple yeah, of examples this Avedon. year. It was Avadon. There you go, off the dome. Thank you very much. Um, there was So we've had some examples of that, but I don't think it's really taken off as much as we as we thought it would and that is probably because you know look at the story that we've just been talking about the the ransomware uh, double extortion i'm not even doesn't even have to be double extortion in that case because that wasn't with the with caseo was it but it, they don't it doesn't seem like they need to use ddos to amp the pressure up on victims so what these guys are doing is just you know I get, I get, I think they're, you know, a bit of a bunch of, bunch of jokers. Do you know what I mean? I think they find themselves quite funny in terms of like just specifically staying to DDoS and using the names of more high profile groups. So, yeah, I think we might have been slightly wrong there for a change in terms of thinking that that was become a big thing. I don't often say that to be fair. Um, you think and it yeah, it just hasn't taken any- off as much as we thought. Do you think it might have anything to do with? The potential return. So, I mean, obviously, we were talking about Kaseya, seventy million uh, in in Monero is what they're looking for. But if you're if the starting price for this DOS attack is only uh, two Bitcoin at the moment, mm. they're only thirty. Well, only because I know Bitcoin's taking a bit of a dip recently, but it's still it's it's thirty two and a half thousand dollars per Bitcoin. So that's I mean sixty five thousand dollars total. So yeah. it's I mean it still got the risk of law enforcement uh, in retribution, I suppose, uh, but for far less return, like, uh, you know. I think as well, like organizations now, like I think these DDoS attacks are slightly more impactful. Certainly when we were talking about the ones on New Zealand Stock Exchange last year, the notable thing about that is that they were doing it at a higher rate and it was more targeted towards like ISPs and, 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 and organizations like that. That's why the stock exchange was so heavily impacted. But I think there's just a general like higher level of readiness to deal with DDoS nowadays. I think people are more concerned with the targeted intrusion that a ransomware extortion group can, can conduct as opposed to, you know, this, you know, this kind of more low level groups that are just, they're just doing DDoS. I think that's why maybe we thought that was the next stage because you've got, you know, high profile, you know, highly capable ransomware group over here that's not only compromising the system, exfiltrating the data, et cetera, but can also, you know, use DDoS as well, then you're looking at, you know, pretty substantial threat. But on its own, I think there's a more general readiness to deal with it. And I think organizations are more willing to put, like not put up with, but like if you think about going offline for a day or two compared to, you know, business productivity being completely shut down and you can't get access to any of your data. And then that data starts getting banded around on the internet. It's just not as, as scary or as impactful to organizations, I don't think. Yeah, I agree with that. And so in terms of mitigation, like what, what do you think security teams, you know, should do when confronted with receiving such emails? So you receive an email from someone called with a, with a funny name somehow and yeah, they're, they're saying that they will try to DDoS you unless you pay uh, two bitcoins. Which yeah, it isn't as much as uh, the ransom we just mentioned before, but still can be a significant amount of money just to pay to someone for not doing something. Um, so what? Charming do you think? panda. 
I was trying to think of I was trying to think of ones that would go well together then. Goblin kitten. Goblin kitten. I was doing I was gonna do Iran and China and that was the best one I could come up with. Sorry. So you, I'm sure you were listening to my question while I, while I was. I was. Yeah, I clocked the question. Don't worry. Um, I think. Yeah, I think. Um, like they, they need, to, like I said, that general readiness. I think puts people, puts organisations at a better state than they would be. I guess the the thing is, you've got time to then react to a potential attack that might occur. You know, you get the email and you got seven days. When you get uh, when you load up the system and there's the ransomware note there, you've already been popped. You know what I mean? You've passed the fact. So, I think there's definitely the all the internal audits, all the vulnerability scanning, patching and remediating that needs doing. And I think you know, general theme for both this and in all the other things that we've been talking about recently, but specifically with Kaseya as well, is those relationships with with your suppliers, right? I think when these lot went after New Zealand Stock Exchange, there was a big emphasis on targeting the ISPs that serviced all the people in New Zealand, the organizations in New Zealand and Australia they were targeting. So that's, that's a big thing. There's a lot of work that goes into that, obviously, because it's not easy to get everyone on the same page with all the, if you think about how interconnected organizations are these days. But yeah, at least they got seven days both to, you know, mock the fancy Lazarus name and get ready for the attack, I suppose. That's fair. Um, all right, let's move to the to the third section of this week. We got dinner on the line. Adam, you can go and try to book a table for Sunday. And um, I've already done it. <laughs> nice one. Nice one. Happy to hear that. That's multitasking for you there. I tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, noticed. <laughs> Um, all right, so Dylan, uh, let's talk about uh, research that's been uh, released uh, this week. So apparently security researchers have discovered malicious apps on Google Play that steal Facebook users' logins and passwords. And with these stealers um, being spread as harmless software and install, installed more than 5 million times. So um, can you tell us more about like, what kind of apps were used in this malicious campaign and how did they extract Facebook credentials? Yeah, absolutely. Um, as you say, the, you know, these apps were downloaded uh, more, than, more than 5 million times, close to 6 million times. Uh, and there were a range of different sort of genres of apps. There were uh, two photo apps. There was an Android optimization app. Uh, there were three access limiting apps. And then there were also two horoscope apps. Uh, but as the report which came out uh, last week mentioned, uh, some of them at the time of writing anyway, were still online. So I think it's probably a good idea to just list them so that if anybody has recently downloaded any of these apps, you know, delete them, change your passwords, all that sort of standard stuff. Uh, so the first one is called uh, Pip Photo, which is an image, an image editor from the developer Lillians. Uh, there's also Processing Photo, which is you know, just another photo edit editing software from a developer called Chicumbera Hamilton. Uh, there's Rubbish Cleaner, which is the, the optimization app. Uh, there's Horoscope Daily from the developer Hscope Daily Momo. Uh, there's Inwell Fitness uh, from Ruben Germain. There's App Lock Keep from Cheryl Rents. Uh, there is Locket Master from Anali Mchicolo. Uh, Horoscope Pi from 
Talir Shona, and then another app lock manager from Implement Call. Uh, and one of the ways which these apps were able to sort of trick users into believing they were legitimate is that they were actually fully functional. You know, they appeared like regular apps. Uh, they had all the same uh, features which you would expect. You know, there were in-app ads. There were uh, different pages you could go to. A lot of the time with the sort of the lower end of dodgy apps. It, once you've logged in, that's it. There's not really anything else to go by. And it's a bit of an indicator to let you know that something's dodgy. These appeared pretty legitimate from the get-go. Um, and so that's one of the ways which they were able to extract credentials is by tricking users into thinking they were legitimate. So once the apps were launched, uh, pop-ups would come up saying that in order to access the full range of app functions, and crucially as well, to disable the in-app adverts, you would need to log in uh, to your Facebook account. Um, and as well, you know, as so many apps are linked through Facebook these days, it's, it, it, it appears quite natural to people. Um, so once these apps had been launched and then had received the necessary settings from the attacker's command and control server, uh, the legitimate Facebook webpage, which is uh, facebook.com-login.php, uh, was loaded into WebView. And what they did then was they loaded some JavaScript scripts from the same command and control server into the same uh, WebView window as well, which is what actually harvested the logins. Uh, these creds were then sent back to the CNC server as well as cookies from the current authorization session uh, after logging in. And there were, there were a few different uh, malware packages found, and they were android.pws.facebook.13, 14, 15, 17, and 18. Uh, and one of these had actually been uh, detected before by the guys that did the report, Dr. Webb, and that was android.pws.facebook.15 had been previously detected in a uh, photo editor app, on, also on Google Play. Um, of these, uh, 13 to 15 were, were native Android apps, while 17 and 18, they utilized the, the Flutter framework for cross-platform development. However, because they all used identical configuration file formats and also identical JavaScript scripts to steal the user data, they're considered to be modifications of just the same Trojan. Um, as I mentioned, uh, 15 was previously observed in a photo editor app. This actually had a little bit additional functionality compared to the rest, which was that it was able to output the data in the log in Chinese. So that's an indicator of its possible origin. But at the moment, we don't really know much more than that. But still, it's it's uh, something useful to something useful to go on anyway. Yeah, attribution like is really hard in these kind of cases. Like yeah. especially even the fact that, as you said, uh, the range of apps. Uh, the team of the range of the apps like, was really diverse across these 18 apps and they were detected more than five, almost 60 million times as we said before. So assuming that uh, at least a part of these 60, 60 million people had used these apps and connected to Facebook, uh, what kind of you know, malicious operations can be conducted by threat actors when they get those credentials? Mm -hmm. Well, so, so the main threat is that these would be used in credential stuffing attacks. And this is because, you know, obviously a lot of people will uh, recycle the same password. So it's quite easy for them to just be fed into some automated scripts, which will find where else they have logins. You know, if you have uh, your Facebook, uh, logins will usually have your email address. So that gives you that straight away. Um, might have your phone number. But if your Facebook leads to your email, which can lead to your personal banking, which can lead to this, that, and the other. So it's kind of... Um, 
a ton, a intrusion vector sounds like a more sort of serious thing like we would use for our evil and ransomware for stuff like that but it is like the type of a starting off point for potentially more serious attacks down the line mm. uh, which can impact people quite seriously people don't have their bank details on facebook anymore surely do people have that well i don't know but you know facebook leading to email and you sometimes you've got uh you know, all, all sorts of stuff coming through to your email, whether it's your bank, whether it's your, your insurance, whether it's this, that, or the other. At the end of the day, it's still access. I hope they don't. I'm, I'm sorry if anyone listening does, but get, delete that data now permanently. Do it right now. Stop mm. whatever you're doing and delete it. I'm pretty sure that my uncle uses the same passwords and credential across everything possible. So, yeah, in that case, I you hope just that- burnt, You should burnt your uncle on the podcast. Oh, <laughs> 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 um, yeah, I did. But like, I'm pretty sure like he, he has probably one of his apps installed as well. Like I need to check his phone. Um, it's a big public holiday. Yeah, yeah, horoscope guy and weather guy as well. So yeah, might be one of those for sure. <laughs> and um, Dylan, one last question. So how, how can you mitigate this threat? Both the app, both the spyware apps and uh, the credential reuse. Yeah, well, I mean, for the credential reuse, as we, as we you know, mentioned there with your uncle as a perfect and unfortunate <laughs> example, uh, don't reuse the same app uh, across all, sorry, don't reuse the same password um, across all your various uh, accounts. I would say if you're even concerned that you may have been affected by this, I would go ahead and change your password. And in general, it's a good idea to do anyway. You know, I think a lot of people are familiar with it from uh, school or university or even work. You know, we're forced to change our passwords every often like 90 days, 180 days, something like that. And it's, you know, it's usually treated as a bit of a faff, like, oh no, now I've got to come up with a new password. But that is one of the best things you can do. It's very basic, but it's just strong, solid security posture is keep your passwords changed every now and again. Alternatively, you know, there are password managers. Uh, these are great. They can help you generate passwords up to like 20 odd um, uh, characters long, crazy different strings of alphanumeric and symbols and all the rest of it. Uh, so, you know, you only have to remember one uh, master password for those. You know, you want to make sure that that's pretty secure because if that gets uh, compromised, then everything is gone. Uh, but that's, I mean, probably the first basic one is change your passwords regularly. Don't reuse them across all the accounts. Um, but then as well, even though this is not an infallible method, where possible, two-factor or multi-factor authentication is encouraged. You know, if you can get uh, a one-time passcode or an app authentication token, in addition to the login credentials, it just adds an it adds. Sorry, me. It doesn't. It doesn't add an extra layer. To, <laughs> about football too much. It adds an extra layer of defense for users and enterprises. Uh, and this is, you know, I think we've talked before about some of the the weaknesses with uh, 2FA and MFA. But at the end of the day, you know, passwords are. Um, at the root of around 80% of data breaches and ransomware attacks around the globe. So it's best to not rely solely on them. And I think as we see more evidence uh, as the years go by of attacks, you know, large attacks happening because of recycled passwords, this, that, and the other, we're going to get uh, some stronger methods for um, identity authentication as the time comes. So I'm quite excited to see what they look like. Uh, then also as where I say, you know, try and be aware of the context of the apps you're using and where they're from. Um, so, you know, you're, you're better off 
downloading apps from the uh, you know the official Google Play Store or the Apple Store, even though obviously you know this story has shown that the Google Play Store is not the most 100% uh, secure place in the world, your chances of getting a clean app there are better than if you're just on some random APK site, which you found. Um, and then as well, you know, try to install apps from the known and trusted developers. It's obviously, you know, if you want to get, for instance, uh, Photoshop from Adobe, that's probably going to cost a bit more, but, you know, two photo editing apps here, which have stolen credentials. So if you go for developers, which you know and trust and have a good reputation, that's a great thing. Uh, reviews on app sites as well. Again, they're not they're not concrete, but they can give you like a bit of an idea as to some of the risks which can be present. And then also, you know, I think one of the the examples which we've spoken about a few times, uh, because this isn't the first uh, malicious app uh, story we've done, is that uh, like why would a flashlight app, for instance, need access to your microphone, your contacts, and and your messages? You know. Trust your gut instinct with stuff like that. If something feels a little bit just off, don't do it. You know, there will definitely be other versions of apps which don't tingle your spidey sense. So or there are the, things you can do, and they're quite simple, but put together, they all add up. Yeah, in the case of my uncle, I would say don't trust your gut feeling. Trust what, <laughs> what I tell you, and don't download those apps, and don't reuse your credentials. So no gut feelings for my uncle. If you're using the same password across all your, all your devices and all your accounts, don't trust your gut feeling, but talk to your niece or nephew because <laughs> their gut feeling instead. Is, is he listening? To, will we listen to the podcast? Or, or I don't, I don't, I don't think he speaks English, so I need to go and translate that to him later. But I promise I will do that. Uncles, is this going to have a bit of like, you know, uh, contention between the uncles, which one of them you're talking about? <laughs> There's only one. <laughs> that, that's, that's why I'm not saying the name, just the uncle. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, okay. Uh, Adam, I think you have some features for us. There's yes, one yes. in particular for which I am extremely excited to hear about. So, yeah, go on. Yeah. You, did, you, did you have features last time or did you miss it? Have you missed me? You oh, we, we, we missed you a lot. Yeah. A lot. Okay. So, uh, this week, malware name of the week. I've gone for... Um, this piece of malware called Krakenosh, right? Just because I like the name of it when I looked at it this morning. Um, that is new malware that is being distributed rather pertinently along uh, with illegal or cracked copies of popular software. And what that does is that it disables many popular antivirus programs on the target system once it gets there. And it's been targeting global organizations, particularly those in Brazil, US, and India. And that is operators that are primarily trying to install crypto miners like XMRig, etc. So Krakenosh, great name. name. It sounds like the type of thing you might have when you're going to a carvery, you know? Ah, oh, some Krakenosh there. Krakenosh, yeah. <laughs> I think that, I don't know really, I looked it up if it was like a term for anything, but it's not. They said the, the vendors that did the thing were like, we named it that because we think the authors of the malware might be from the Czech Republic, but I looked that up and it doesn't seem like it's a Czech term. It wasn't coming up when I was looking for it, but there you go. Maybe it's some Czech delicacy. Another mystery of the cybersphere. Now, something for our listeners to, you know, go away and maybe do a bit of their own research if they're inspired or not. The next one is my MITRE TTP of the week. Had to pick com uh, compromised software supply chain, supply chain compromise. That is IDT1195.002. 
obviously we've been talking primarily about that today on the podcast adversaries go for the manipulation uh, of uh, software uh, applications and as we saw with Kaseya that has had a big impact when you can do it on a scale and with a piece of software that has high privileges and is used by loads of different organizations that are interacting with each other. So I had to go for that one this week. And my fun feature, if you guys still want it, is this the one that you were yes. referring to? Yes. You weren't I, I, I don't want that. Okay. So on my way back from the game last night, I wasn't there, but on the way back from where I was watching it, I realized that I'd done very little prep for this podcast and we're recording in the morning obviously because we have Shway with us so I made some notes on my phone having like had a brief look at your questions Stefano and I kind of I don't really know if I want to read too many of them but there's a lot of like half sentences uh DDoS extortion attacks on NZ last year thought big would take off have impact <laughs> that's, that's, that's what i was going to lead with and i did kind of refer to that earlier when we yeah, were talking, to be fair. um i've got like one here where i'm basically saying certainly big interest from ransomware groups to get involved but didn't happen likely to carry on big ops for triple threat in the coming months. I don't know, I don't know what that means. <laughs> that that's might, the prediction. That referring to the triple extortion threat. Yeah. That's just the way I decided to word it on the tube last night. Um, I think you've, you've essentially taken my, my uni essay writing tactic, <laughs> which is, you know, like write drunk, edit sober. Uh, <laughs> yeah. well, you have good yeah. ideas when you're in that state you know what I mean I was happy we just won and I was like on the tube it was really rowdy but I had my headphones in and I was like right I'm going to get some notes down and now <laughs> I've, I've looked at them this morning I've gone oh okay not quite how I want to actually come across on the podcast but the ideas are all there you know what I mean yeah and yeah. I, have, I highly appreciate the commitment of writing yeah, exactly. notes for the podcast after the well, match I knew the I wasn't going to get in at my normal early time this morning and I remembered that we were obviously recording in the morning because Shui's joining us so you know I thought I'd just look ahead you know the, the thing that I'm really impressed with though you know earlier when I said that uh, we had did have some ransomware groups that were doing DDoS I'd put in my notes which groups did the DDoS and ransomware extortion question mark for me to look up this morning. I always didn't have time, but I put Avedon question mark and it was Avedon I came up with earlier. So this guy's a genius guy. Props to me, boys. <laughs> Props to you, Adam. Hopefully you will not be in the same happy mood uh, Sunday evening. But we'll see, won't we? We'll yeah, see. We'll come on, see. come on, we'll predictions, see. honest predictions, honest predictions. Honest prediction. You can't have yeah, yeah, yeah. honest prediction on this one. You reckon you're gonna win, yeah? I hope I'm gonna win. I think Italy is is great during these matches when the opponent is tough and they try to play the game and we suffer and then we win at the end. But I don't know. England well, is we'll see. good luck. Good luck. Good luck. Good luck. Good uh, I've not been following much, but how many games? It seems like a lot of them have gone to extra time and penalties so far. Do you think that might be an outcome? I mean, well, both semi-finals. The, the only difference last night is that we didn't have pens. Well. Mm. A penalty was given for free to England without oh, no reason. Oh, yeah, but... you reckon? <laughs> it wasn't clear and obvious error, mate. So the pen stands. Pen stands. And I'm really happy to face England uh, in the final. 
because it's going to be even sweeter. Anyway, if you've heard <laughs> anything that you're curious about today, uh, don't forget to check out the content uh, section available, available sorry, in the attachment below. And we've got a lot of nice blogs put out this week. So I wrote one on the Casilla Ransomware Supply Chain Attack. And uh, then we have one on domain monitoring um, guides. So we put out a domain monitoring guide a few a couple of weeks ago, and now we're getting blogs out on that team as well. And then there's a really interesting blog on Medkita. Uh, if you followed last week's episode, uh, the, our American colleagues talked about that as well. Um, yeah, you'll find a nice structured blog this week. Also, don't forget to reach out to shadowtalk at digitalshadows.com if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions for the next episode. And uh, from this week, we'll also add a link for people to subscribe to our um, uh, Digital Shadows email, where we release weekly intelligence um, re updates. And, and the good thing about this is that like, if you subscribe to the newsletter right now, like the first 100 people that subscribe will have the chance to be entered to win an Amazon gift card. So very nice. Yeah, I've already done the first 150 fake accounts to get that Amazon gift card. So they're only <laughs> I was going to say, we love to read out to it. So there are only 50 places left. So hurry up. Uh, <laughs> that's that's the end of you, Stefano. You still left 50. It's very fair of you. I know. I know. I can't do sportsmanship before everything. Um, <laughs> yeah, so that's the end for today. Uh, hopefully, you'll hear from me again if Italy wins the final. Otherwise, that's the end for my big status as well. Big if. Uh, big if. A massive one. Um, thank you guys for taking the time to share your knowledge and insight with us. It's a pleasure as always. Uh, stay safe and bye-bye. Cheers, guys. See you. Come on, England. Thank you, Natalia.